Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Interprod Free Library. I have a problem. I like to say the whole name because uh, free resonates with me. Uh, and it helped me a lot in my, uh, my days coming to the library. My name is Vernon Reed. On behalf of the wonderful CEO, Carla Hayden, who couldn't be here, her wonderful staff, and our board of directors and trustees, thank you for attending this special and unique event. It is my hope that many of you will have an opportunity to learn and have helpful conversations on eating habits, nutrition, and the all-important topic of childhood obesity. We are honored to have so many great people for this important and much-needed discussion. Thank you for being here. Childhood obesity in this country, in this city, is a major health concern. The numbers are staggering and troubling. Childhood obesity has more than tripled in the past 30 years. In Baltimore alone, one in three children are overweight. 37% of the city high school students are overweight, compared to 29% of their counterparts throughout Maryland. This discussion is way overdue. Today's town hall meeting should be addressed more like a call to arms. Nice topic. Get fit, families. The Interprat Free Library is committed to helping and promoting healthy family living in Baltimore. We are very happy to have a wonderful working relationship with the Baltimore City Health Department. Our successful program, the Virtual Supermarket, is definitely one of a kind. For more than a year, the Virtual Supermarket Initiative has provided healthy options. People in the community can order food and groceries in three Pratt branches. Washington Village, Orland Street, and Ch now Cherry Hill. This is the only library system in the nation that provides such a service. Now other libraries are trying to emulate and replicate our success. We, had, we in Baltimore City, not just the Pratt and, and the Health Department, are proud of this project, and it's been led by a very visionary Health Department. It was really creative for them to think of this. Central Library's famous Cathedral Street windows, uh, which were uh, basically created to make this look like uh, a shopping center, the old shopping centers, have been used to promote topics such as heart disease and breast cancer. There are countless resources at all branch, Pratt Branch locations to help families, families educate themselves about healthy eating and living. Now I would like to introduce someone who definitely needs no introduction. He is a longtime supporter of the Pratt Library. He, he's, he's a man of action and substance. He has his annual college fair at the library and other events at Central. Please welcome the model of deportment and my representative, the 7th District of Maryland Councilman, the Honorable Elijah Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Come on, we can do better than that. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. It is certainly my honor and my privilege to be here, and I want to thank Vernon Reed for your leadership of the board of the Inner Pratt Library. I want to thank all the employees of the Pratt. You have been just so, so very wonderful to me. I hold probably six to eight events here every year, and I pay special tribute to Carla Hayden, the director of the library, who is one of the best in the world, not in the Amen. city or the state, but in the world. You, you mean, we have a true gift. Right. 
we in the Congress um, see Carla Hayden as the role model for other librarians. And I think we need to make sure that we pay special attention, Baltimore, to the library's website and to the various publications that they put out. Let me tell you something. We are so fortunate. The same programs, and I say this every time I come here, the very same programs that we have for free here are costing at the Smithsonian anywhere from 20 to 35 $40 a person. And we get them for free here. Uh, I have never seen a library that reaches out more to the public. And as a matter of fact, I was just talking to the mayor today, and we were just trying to make sure that we make sure that we keep our library doors open every single moment that we possibly can. And I know Carla Hayden and her staff are working hard to do that. And again, you know, with public employees um, taking such a bashing from so many, I'm here to salute you, and I thank you so much for what you do. I know that you're underpaid, I know, but I know that it's compassion and passion that you bring to the job. And again, I thank you, and I hope you'll pass that on to the other employees of the Enid Pratt, because you all have been absolutely fabulous and great. Give them a hand, please, again. I'm going to be very brief here this evening, but I really wanted to get by here. I've had a long day. This is my 13th appointment today. And, but, I, but I wanted to get by here because this whole subject, and, and Valerie Williams, I want to thank you for all of your leadership. I know it took a lot to bring all of this together. Um, give her a hand. Thank you so much. But let me tell you why I, I wanted to get by here. There was a food, I, I don't know if you saw this uh, documentary. It was called Food, Inc. And it was interesting when you saw Food, Inc. And if you haven't seen it, maybe they've got it on video or whatever. I mean, you know, I don't know all the terms, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, there's a piece in Food, Inc. It talks about how food is produced and how food is pushed on us, from McDonald's to Burger King. To, and, but it was one piece in there that caused me to lose 50 pounds. And I'm, I'm serious. They were talking about how chickens are now fed with corn. And they showed something, and you who saw this, this has been printed in the DNA of every cell of my brain. I don't know what chickens usually eat. What was it? What was it? They graze grass. Grass, right. Okay, fine. Well, they started feeding these chickens with corn. So that they could get marked, so that they could get fatter faster. And you know what happened? The chickens grew so fast that the legs could not hold the body up. I mean, literally. The chickens were dying and falling over because they were eating so much. The next day. Uh oh. Uh oh. No more chicken. I, I began to eat half, and I was telling Mark just a, a, a few minutes ago, half of what I normally eat. And you know what I discovered? I'm fine eating half of what I usually I would eat. As a matter of fact, now when I go to uh, when I go to the uh, to IHOP, literally when I walk in the door, I say, "Give me one of them carryout trays." Mm -hmm. I usually cut my I cut my omelet. In thirds, I eat a third, and I always have to have my pancakes. So I have a third of them, and you know where the two-thirds go? In the, in the container, home. And I have my, my green tea, and I'm good to go. 
<laughs> what I have discovered is that in America, we eat too much. We eat too much. I could literally, I really believe this, I could live on $2.50 a day. $2.50 a day and be healthier. We are spending a lot of money on food that's making us sick. I know y'all didn't expect to hear this from the congressman. I know you didn't. But you know what else I discovered? I feel so much better. My blood pressure, which I've been suffering from for 20 years, went down. I have more energy. I'm serious. And then I have this, I just feel better. I feel my clothes look better. I don't have to, in the morning, try to figure out what I'm going to wear. Come on, don't act like y'all ain't been there. <laughs> Come on now. Come on, hang with me. But the other thing that, and Mark, and the reason why I'm so glad you all are doing this, is because it's also about longevity. When I look at my kids, and I have a 29-year-old, 27-year-old, but the one that I'm most concerned about right now is a 16-year-old. I want to see her graduate. I want to see her graduate not only from high school, but from college. Yeah. I want to be able to continue to give her my advice, as long as she'll take it. <laughs> you know how it is, parents. I, I'm giving it. I don't know what she's <laughs> taking it all. But, but I want to see her graduate because I don't want to die. I do not want to die. Or I don't want to be laid up like an uncle of mine who laid up paralyzed from a stroke for 10 years. And every day we would go and visit him, he and my father, and turn him over and wash him up. I don't want to be a prisoner in my own body. Yeah. I'm sorry. And so I was thinking about this today, and I, for some reason, I'm a very spiritual person, and I, that song by Nancy Wilson, I, I just had to put, I, you, know, you know what I just learned today, a few days ago? If I want to hear, I didn't notice. I know you all are who in tune. You, you all know this. But you can listen to any song on YouTube. Did y'all know that? Any song you want to live. All you got to just put the artist in YouTube and you're good to go. So I wanted to hear Nancy Wilson. I know some of y'all too young to know who Nancy Wilson is. Anyway, Nancy Wilson has this song. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to finish with this. And this made me, every time I hear this song, every time I hear this song, a tear comes to my eye. Because it's about our children. And I think about my kids. It says, if I could, I protect you from the sadness in your eyes, give you courage in a world of compromise. Yes, I would, if I could. I would teach you all the things I've never learned. And I'd help you cross the bridges that I burn. Yes, I would if I could. I would try to shield your innocence from time. But the part of life I gave you isn't mine. I watched you grow so that I could let you go. If I could, I would help you make it through the hungry years. And I know that I could never cry all your tears. But I would if I could. And if I live in a time and place where you don't want to be, you don't have to walk along this road with me. My yesterdays don't have to be your way. If I knew I could try to change the world I brought you to, now there isn't that much more that I can do, 
but I would if I could, if I could. Ladies and gentlemen, I have come by here to tell you we can. Yeah. <laughs> Our children are going through some difficulties. Many of them are suffering from diabetes at an early age. Why? Because they're overweight. Many of them are not able to do the things that most children should be able to do. Why? Because they're not getting the exercise they need. Many of them are being filled up with, with Burger King's uh, super, super duper burger. Filled up with, with the milkshakes. I mean, 50 million calories in a milkshake. Y'all know that? Did y'all know that? <laughs> filled up with sodas. We're trying to do things conveniently. And a lot of times we look at the little meals and say, oh, my goodness, I'm able to get a meal for $6. Believe it or not, some of the people in the hallway will tell you, you can feed your child a lot cheaper than a $6 meal and have some leftovers for the next day. That's right, the whole we have got to begin to think that way because this is about our futures. And I've often said that our children are the living messages we send to a future we will never see. But we cannot afford to send them unhealthy. Or they'll never get to that future. They'll never get, and if they get there, they will be sick. And just as, a, and so, as life would have it, I pulled out my journal just before I walked in here. And I was getting ready to drive a few notes since I was going to be with the great Mark Steiner. I was trying to make a few notes to it. And I just hit the page of January 18th in my journal. I write something about my life every day. And on the January 18th, I started to bring it here, but I was afraid I would leave it, and then y'all would know I'm a business. <laughs> but when I read January 18th, this is what it said. It said, Elijah, welcome to your 60th birthday. It said, I feel so fortunate to be able to even say I'm celebrating my 60th birthday. Elijah, remember when you were a little boy, you didn't think you'd live to be over 40. And you remember your daddy used to say, Lord, give me three score and ten. This is what it says in my journal. I just so happened to turn to it. And I didn't even know what score meant, Mark. So I stopped my journal, and then I had gone back and I looked at it. This is when I was writing it. And I said, Dad was right. Score means 20 years. I didn't know that. Three score. My daddy, ever since I was a little boy, said, Lord, just give me three score and ten. And ten. Mm -hmm. He lived to be 73. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, Daddy, and see, back when he was coming up, maybe life, that was a high life expectancy. It was, yeah. And I said to myself, Daddy, why didn't you wish for, like, five score and ten? <laughs> why am I saying that? Listen to me. I get tired of us having low expectations of ourselves. Yeah. I think about this body that we've been given. And I think about it all the time. And I think about how much, you know, you eat a meal. We'll eat a meal. And right now, how many of y'all had some little dinner, snack, lunch, something? Man, come on. Anybody eat today? All right. There we go. I'm not going to ask you what you ate. I promise. But you know what's happening right now? That food is being processed right now. It's going, it's making all this distribution, it's waste and some blood and over here. It's doing all these kinds of things, helping you think, giving you energy. That food is operating in your body. And if you check behind yourself, the side of yourself or in front of yourself, there is no electric cord. 
<laughs> going into a plug. It is operating. And so the question that I always ask myself is how can I help my body help me? So I can give it water. I can exercise it to keep it moving. I can eat the proper foods. I can, I, so I must control what I can control. Those are the things I can control. I can go and get checkups to make sure it's operating right. If something's wrong, try to get it fixed. That's it. And so we must control what we can control. And that's why this is so very, very important. We have to have high expectations of ourselves. But in order to have those high expectations, we must make sure that we do our part. And it's so easy in a busy day, a busy day. All of us have busy days. And that's why I'm so glad that all of you are out here. All of us have busy days. But I guarantee you, before I lay my head on a pillow tonight, and see, I've learned a lot. I'm just sharing this information. It may help somebody. I realize I don't like gyms. <laughs> no, I'm serious. So I bought me, I looked, checked out eBay, and got me a little stationary bike, got me some weights, and when I roll out of bed, Mr. Exercise Man, <laughs> I, 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 get, I got my little record, my little tapes and stuff, and I do my exercise at home. What I'm saying is, and then little things like walking around the block, hello, <laughs> walking around the block two or three times. Those, I mean, those, you'd be surprised at how much those things mean. And so, yeah, we are busy. But guess what? Imagine, just think about the times when you have a headache and how you are debilitated that you can barely think. Think about the times when you don't feel well and you cannot do the things in the way that you would normally do them. People do things for one of two reasons as I go. For one of two reasons or both. One, to gain pleasure. Or two, to avoid pain. Gain pleasure or avoid pain. And if you ever begin to wonder, and you say to yourself, why should I exercise? I, all you got to do is do what I do when I get a little discouraged. Go to a nursing home. Mm. No, I'm serious. Just visit a nursing home. And you will be convinced that you want to slow that process down. You just want to slow it down because the alternative is you die. So you just want to slow it down. Slow the process down. The other thing, when you talk about gaining pleasure, think about the things that you'll be able to do. There was a time when I would go up my steps in my house, it was only 14 steps. I felt like I had ran uh, a 50 mile dash. And now I dash up the steps and dash back down and dash up again. <laughs> Why? Because now I have the energy and I'm not carrying around. 50 pounds. How much a bowling ball weigh? Hello. Somebody bowl. Some of y'all bowl. How much? How much? 12? That's four bowling balls. Imagine all day you walk around carrying around four bowling balls. Everything you do. You go up the steps. You lift up the baby. You four, four bowling balls. That's how I think. Because I want to gain pleasure. I want to avoid pain. I do not want to be like those chickens when my legs collapse under my body. 
And I'm not trying to be funny. I am very, that's how we have to think. But if you don't think about anybody else, you think about this. It's bigger than you. This is not about you. This is about generation jet unborn. This is about your children having you around healthy so that they can sit on your lap, so that they can give you the lessons, so you can give them the lessons, so that you can have the pleasure of watching them develop, to watching them graduate, to watching them raise children, to being able to lift your grandchild up in your hand and not be in the position that I was in where your grandchild never gets to know you because you were dead before they were born. We as a nation, we are better than that. And if we want to be the best that we can be, we have got to take care of these bodies and we have to start, and then, you know, this is the last thing, this is one of the things that I kept saying myself. Now listen to me, listen. I said, Elijah, how can you go around being a leader when you cannot even control what goes in your mouth? How can you do that if you cannot control whether you eat six sticky buns and drink all them those colas? How can somebody see you as a leader? And so I don't come, I'm not talking down, and I hope nobody gets that impression. I want us all to live the best lives that we possibly can. And Mark and all and our panelists, I want to thank you all. Valerie, I want to thank you so much for this. And the crowd probably, I know y'all probably was hoping for a few more people, but that's all right. You know why? Because these are the missionaries. These are the people that will get the message and they will spread the message. But I, don't, I want you to keep building on this because it's that important because it's about us living and not dying. May God bless. Now, so we can follow up on that. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, I'm Mark Stein. I want to welcome you here this evening. And I, I uh, also want to uh, thank you all for coming out and everybody who came here this evening. This means a great deal to all of us. This Get Fit family is the beginning of a movement we want to create in our community for our children, for our future. And uh, I also want to thank Valerie Williams. I watched her work hard to get this thing put together day in and day out. Since I'm also married to her, I saw it day in and day out. Six o'clock in the morning, instead of smiling at me, she was on the computer working, getting this together. But uh, it's worth it because it's turned out to be very successful. And uh, Alexandra Bassent from the University of Maryland Medical Center as well. The two of them really do huge work to make this happen today. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a few speakers come up. And then we're going to have to ask you all to interact and join us here at that microphone there so we can have some real conversation together. Uh, and uh, we're going to start. I want to introduce to you Dr. Jacqueline Duval Harvey who is the Deputy Commissioner for Youth and Families in the Baltimore City Health Department, and she is responsible for the department's strategy and programs related to our children and youth, and oversees the divisions of school health, maternal and child health, and youth violence prevention. And Dr. Jacqueline Duvall-Harvey, welcome. Good evening, everyone. So those of you in the audience who are interested in public speaking, are probably thinking that 
Oh, my Lord, what is she going to say following after Congressman Cummings? <laughs> Let me suggest to you that when you have someone like Congressman Cummings speaking before you, you use it as an opportunity to up your game. It is much more important to surround yourself with people who raise the bar higher than to people who keep that bar down. So my challenge tonight is for me to grow and be better by presenting some things that you did not hear in the earlier speaker and give you some food for thought as you continue with the evening's um, program. I want to share with you how wonderful it is for me as an individual who represents the health department to know that this event was not put on by the Baltimore City Health Department. (laughs) When the health department is no longer the entity, the organization that takes responsibility for organizing events like this, we know we're making some progress. We understand that those people who are committed among us are willing to pick up the charge and bring these issues to the level of community involvement in a very, very diverse way so that the ownership, the accountability, the responsibility, and the change happens where it should happen. Not with a professional telling you you need to do one thing or the other, but with individuals understanding that the change comes when they make that personal decision. And I think Congressman Cummings talked a lot about his own personal decision to make a change in his life. Once you make that commitment, which is the beginning step, then the actions, the activities, the challenges become that much more easy to surmount. And what we hope you think about are very, very easy ways in which you can make a life change. So we are not talking about people necessarily investing money in health clubs or equipment or anything like that. Let me suggest a very, very simple thing. Get rid of your remote control. Just get rid of it. The moment you don't have a device like a remote control that keeps you passive, and the only thing that's moving are your fingers, and you have to actually get up and change a channel or adjust the volume, you start to become a lot more conscious about how little you move and how inactive we are as a nation, not just in Baltimore, because we know the statistics about Baltimore, and we're not going to focus on Baltimore to the point of saying Baltimore is different from anyone else, because it's not. Okay? This is an epidemic that is nationwide. The good news, though, is that we will not focus tonight only on the negatives, the poor statistics, the issues around diabetes, type 2, around cardiovascular disease, and all of the negative consequences associated with being overweight and being inactive. But tonight is an opportunity to talk about how you can make that change. And there are enough individuals, organizations, agencies, ready to help with whatever portion or part of this process you are prepared to engage in as a first step. Okay? So tonight, we're not going to give you the dire messages. We're not going to give you the gloom and doom statistics. We are going to hopefully spend the majority of time engaging in conversations with you about how you can start making a change tonight. Is that okay? All right. I also want to give some additional information for those who have been tracking sort of the initiatives that are coming out of the health department and to mention that in addition to the Enoch Pratt Free Library participating with the health department on the virtual supermarket, we also now have a Baltimore City public school that is serving as a site where people can order food and pick up food. 
So again, when we're moving out of health departments, out of healthcare facilities, out of organizations that specialize in fitness and recreation and those kinds of things, to regular settings where everyday folks are hanging out and doing their jobs and doing their business, and the message is being received in those settings, that's when we know we're starting to make a difference. Okay? Um, when I was driving over from the health department this evening to come to the program, I saw a young lady that took the smile I had about not having to lead this effort. She took it away. She was probably around 17 years old. She had a harness with a baby who was probably eight months old, and she had a toddler who was probably 18 months by her side. I'm not talking about teen pregnancy. I'm talking about the fact that she was holding and smoking a cigarette. Mm. Okay? She was holding a cigarette, and she was smoking it in the presence of the baby that was strapped to her chest and in the presence of people, including her young child, who was now inhaling secondhand smoke. So do not walk away from tonight thinking that the only thing you need to change are your dietary habits and your fitness habits. It takes a little bit more than that, but you need to start somewhere, and you need to start with something that is manageable for you, which is why I suggest putting down the remote. No effort, right? You just put it away, and you see what happens as a result of that. Unfortunately, the health department also knows that even when you make those decisions to change your life, that you might not be as successful as you'd like to be. Because what we know is that the environments in which the majority of us live in Baltimore City are not health-promoting. In fact, they are probably obesity-promoting, right? Um, when it is not safe to go outside and physically be active in an environment that is much more stimulating, where there's fresh air, if there is fresh air when you do go outside, which is doubtful, um, and in an environment where you feel safe and comfortable to be, to be outside, then automatically your opportunities for physical fitness and recreation become reduced, which is why we usually talk about things that you can do in your house as opposed to outside. But that's not acceptable. It is unacceptable for people not to be able to leave their homes to walk safely in communities. Mm -hmm. And so as a health department, in addition to focusing on the very traditional things that we do around illness, specific things like cardiovascular disease, obesity, things like asthma, and all the things you know health departments to do, we are moving very aggressively to addressing issues around environment. Mm -hmm. If you've been participating in workshops and conferences, you understand that where you live is probably a more significant indicator about how long you will live and the quality of your life than anything you do as an individual, and certainly more than your genetic makeup. We used to have, you know, we used to talk about, um, well, I'm big boned, or my family tends to be a little bit on the, you know, the, the, the plump side, and we're much more healthy that way. That used to be a concept when I was growing up, that skinny people were unhealthy people, right? Um, and, and maybe there's some truth in that, that we do lose weight when we're not feeling well, but we also know that people who are not, who are not their optimal weight are unhealthy. So we need to be clear about those things. But if the environment that you live in is not health-promoting and is, is in fact disease-promoting, then that becomes a major issue for the city um, and the community, not just for the individual. What I'm trying to point out is that this is as much a community issue a city issue as it is an individual decision-making issue. And so it is important that all those other pieces are in place to support the efforts you make. 
Um, as a department of the mayor's cabinet, what we are doing is we are making sure that city agencies and city employees walk the walk and talk the talk. So the health department is getting ready to launch a campaign internal to the health department for our employees to be models of fitness. And you know, whether we roll it out as a sort of the game show, you know, biggest loser concept or whatever it is we do, the idea is to promote health. But we are not stopping at the health department. We are engaging every city agency in fitness programming with messaging to make sure that if you walk through any public building, if that building has an elevator, next to that elevator is a sign that says, no waiting right next door, which is where the stairs are. So we as a city, in terms of, in terms of governmental offices, are trying to step up as well to role model these things. But you need to make that decision for yourself first. You need to be an advocate in your community to make sure that that, you, that, your, that community is supporting that lifestyle change that you are making. So it's not about just being quiet and changing your internal habits and your home habits, but it's also stepping out. And, and also calling on your city officials and representatives to change some of the legislation, to change some of the policies, some very simple things. We can close out areas that are safe to walk in and restrict um, traffic for example, to make sure that if there are no sidewalks, citizens can walk in their community. Very simple concepts. You know, this is not rocket science. Okay, this is a really, really simple, easy thing to do if there is the will to do it and if there is the commitment to follow that will. So the challenge to everyone who's here tonight, very simple, change one very small thing starting tonight. Just one. Not, ma not of any major magnitude, not, you know, you're going to exercise five times a week for the next whatever months. Just commit yourself to changing one thing because we know if you change one thing and you do one thing that is doable, the opportunities for sustaining that become much greater. So if it's just drinking one glass of clean water, and I said clean water, <laughs> if, if just doing that one glass a day, if that's all you feel you're capable of doing, do that. If you, if you already drink one glass, then you increase that to two. You, you be the measure on which you will, you will assess the success of what you're doing. So wherever you are is your baseline. Add one thing to that, sustain it, and then encourage others to do the same. Thank you. We have a, a really great program this evening. We're going to hear from Dr. Peter Gaskin. We're going to hear from Dr. Von Bronner. Then you're going to meet Chauncey Whitehead and Ms. Ernestine Shepherd. We're going to get us all on our feet. They're two amazing human beings. We'll introduce in a bit. And then we're going to open the mic, the floor, for all of your questions. I want to introduce you now Dr. Peter Gaskin. Dr. Gaskin is a pediatric cardiologist at the University of Maryland Medical Center and assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Maryland Medical School. In 2010, Dr. Gaskin was named one of Baltimore's best top docs for pediatric cardiology. Once you hear him speak, you will come to understand why his pediatric, pediatric patients and their parents think he's a wonderful doctor, providing compassionate care for kids with heart attacks. Yes, I said children with heart attacks. Dr. Peter Gaskin. So good evening, everyone. So when I think about what I'm going to say to you today, or when I thought about that, it's changed so many times. 
Um, I thought about just turning around and walking away after Congressman Cummins said. (laughs) I'm I'm a pretty soft-spoken person. I'm not someone who gets very passionate um, overtly about things. I do get passionate about the things that I do and I believe in. Um, I thought again and I saw, so he's a policymaker for our country. And then I was, the speaker before me is a policymaker for the city. And I think about, about myself as not a policymaker, but someone who will encourage you to make policies about yourself. Tonight, I'm just going to leave a few thoughts. I have, there, there are two or three take-home thoughts that I want you to have as you walk away from this session. Let's first talk about body mass index and try to understand why obesity is a, a problem and how you gauge obesity. You would have heard the first lady talking about body mass index and what, does anyone know what that is? It, it really, in, this, in the simplest form, it is just a calculation. It's a number. That's all it is. It's a number. And that number is calculated just by looking at what your weight is and dividing it by the square of your height, how tall you are. So when you look at that calculation, if you are a very, very tall person, the denominator is going to be larger. So if you are a tall person and you're not, you don't have a lot of weight, the number is going to be small. If you are someone who is overweight or you have a, you're quite heavy and you're short, the number is going to be higher. And these numbers were um, tracked by the um, Center for Disease Control and the calculations were based on, you know, if the number was less than 18.5, it's thought that you are underweight. If it's greater than 30, you're said to be obese. So these numbers are just numbers that put you into various categories. Let's put these numbers away. Let's just talk about your individual health. When I see patients in clinic, um, I've noticed that there's been a dramatic change in the types of patients that I see. There's now a necessity for me to see patients in a cholesterol clinic, patients who have high cholesterol. A majority of those patients actually have, um, they are actually overweight. There's also a small group of those patients who are underweight or normal weight. The issue is, it's a function of their genes, it's a function of their lifestyle, and it's a function of their diet. There was an ad on television that was advertising uh, one of those hypercholesterol drugs, or those drugs for high cholesterol. And it was quite funny about uh, Aunt Ginny, or a Virginia ham. And Aunt Ginny is, this is someone who may have very high cholesterol. So because that person is in your gene pool and is related to you, you may have a higher risk of having high cholesterol. 
but you may also have a high cholesterol that's because of what you choose to take in your diet. Things that you take in your diet are very important because there's another calculation that I will give you. It's energy stored is equal to energy input minus energy expenditure. As the congressman um, spoke about, he's cut back on what he's eating. He's also increased his exercise activity. So as a result of that, he has less stored energy. And he's lost 50 pounds because he's actually had negative energy. He's burning more calories than he's taking in. And this is something that we can take away from a session like this. We have to look at what our goals are for ourselves. If we believe that our health is important, there's certain lifestyle changes that we need to make. We cannot make changes that are, we shouldn't make changes that are imposed upon us. We have to make changes that we believe are important for us as far as our well-being is concerned and as far as our families are concerned. I am someone who, you know, as I listen to him talking about grand, grandparents and wanting to have um, grandparents around when they, um, to have grandchildren sitting on their laps, I never knew any of my grandparents. I never knew any of them. Um, and it's a function, I think, of what life expectancy was um, several years ago. We have an opportunity with all of the advances in medicine to positively impact our own life expectancy. If we do not treat our bodies as a temple, and we do not take care of our bodies, and we do not do the right things as far as our health and activity, we will not live to see our grandchildren. We will not live to see children. It's something that's important. It's something that you have to make that commitment to yourself. It's not a matter of a parent telling a child or a sister telling a brother, you need to do this. It's something that is only going to change if you make that decision for yourself. When I'm seeing patients in clinic, um, especially the patients who are overweight, I tell them about um, things, methods that they can use to change their lifestyle. I try to get them moving. I try to get them walking. And the problem is, they will say, because I'm so overweight, I don't have the energy to do anything. But I say to them, if you don't start doing something, this calculation that I told you about energy stored is equal to energy calories taken in minus expenditure, you're going to become bigger. You're going to gain more weight. So you need to start moving. And starting moving doesn't mean to run a marathon. It can start with putting down the remote. <laughs> it can start with, instead of taking the bus two blocks, walking those, instead of taking the, block, the bus four blocks, walking those four blocks. Instead of taking the elevator up one flight of, up one floor, walking up the steps one floor. 
There are little things that you can do in your homes. When you wake up in the morning, you can do 10 sit-ups. You can do a few push-ups. Little things. If you start small and every day try to add a little bit more, you will make a significant change at the end of the day. On this pamphlet that's with your bags, there's, um, there are a few pictures. And I just wanted to illustrate something. This is a picture, an example of something called Acanthosis nigricans. It's a big name, but it's something that's uh, a marker for patients who are o- overweight, obese, and are at risk of having the metabolic syndrome. The metabolic syndrome is something um, that occurs in patients who have high blood pressure, they're overweight, they have high um, cholesterol levels, and they're at risk of developing um, strokes, they're at risk of developing diabetes. I want every one of you who have kids to take the time just to look at their armpits or just look behind their heads, okay? This is something that um, a number of families actually believe that these kids, they just didn't wash themselves properly. It's something that if they take care of themselves and if they wash this, this will come off. This is not something like that. But it is something that can tell you if you are at risk of having, of, of, of developing an early stroke. Okay? Something that can tell you if you are at risk of developing an early heart attack. It doesn't say that you have that, but it puts you at risk. And it may be an additional wake-up call for you. We need to get our kids moving. We need to work on changing our dietary practices. But we also need to motivate people to help themselves motivate people to do things because they want to achieve these changes in their lifestyle. I believe that if we can, if each one of us can just take the time and lead by example, that we can have a profound effect on the children in Baltimore City and within the state of Maryland. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Gaskins. He'll be here to answer questions in a minute. We're now going to introduce Dr. Yvonne Bronner, who is a professor of behavioral health sciences and founding director of the Masters of Public Health and Doctors of Public Health program at Morgan State University. She's also director of the Complementary and Alternative Medicine Research Training Program. Dr. Bronner's research interests include nutritional assessment of school children, obesity through life cycle, and the epidemiological investigation of African-American dietary knowledge attitudes, beliefs, and practices. And I've interviewed her before, a fascinating woman, Dr. Yvonne Bronner. Thank you, Mark. And uh, of course, after uh, Congressman Cummings, all of us want to sneak out of the door. But we don't have that pleasure. And so uh, it really is um, a joy for me to be here. And, of course, I didn't realize all my students would be here. I have a whole line of students, so (laughs) I must do something here. I don't know exactly (laughs) what it will be. (laughs) 
But because our time is short and we do want to have questions from the audience, I'm going to uh, keep my remarks to three or four points. And the first thing I'm going to do is tell a story. And it's going to be my story. And my students have heard this many times. Every, uh, I think I've been 70 for about the last 10 years, right? <laughs> but I'm actually 70 years of age. And um, for about the last 40 years, uh, we have been walking about um, four miles every day. And speaking of walk, I don't spend, I have never spent a single dime at a gym. But every single day, I roll out of the bed about 6 o'clock. Actually, I get up around 4, but I go outside to walk about 6 o'clock. And we walk from 6 to 7.30, my husband and I. We have walked through three dogs, <laughs> and we're still at it. My husband is from a family of 13 uh, children, and he is um, now also 72. He takes no medication. I take no medication. So it is possible. What, what um, all of the speakers have been saying is true, and it's really up to you. So my first point is that it all starts here. Are we all on the same page? It all starts right here. You have to make up your mind that you want to change. I cannot feed you. Nobody is going to walk up to you and feed you. Nobody is going to restrain you from eating whatever you want to eat. It all starts here. But what the other part, it's not easy for a lot of people to make changes. And I read a book called The Anatomy of Hope. And one of the things it spoke about was a man who was in a lot of pain. I can't remember exactly the um, illness that he had. But it was severe pain, and he was a physician. He actually was a cardiologist, as a matter of fact, up at uh, Harvard University. And um, he decided, using complementary and alternative approaches, that he was going to get rid of this pain. Because he was only about 40 or 50 years old when this pain, debilitating pain, struck him. And what the book tells us is a very simple fact, and that is your brain somehow tracks information along a pathway. And so what he had to do was track the information along a different pathway, a pathway that was not a pain pathway, but a pathway that was one of satisfaction. And he had to work through the pain. And so what I'm trying to say to you is that you can do this. And I want to, everybody who believes that you can do this, raise your hand. Very good. That means when you walk out of here, first of all, you're going to put down the, um, what is that called, the remote? I don't watch TV, so I don't know what a remote is, but, <laughs> you know, that is the thing that takes. You're going to put that down, but more importantly, we're going to stop watching so much television. It's the little bit that I watch in passing, I'm very depressed when I come away from the television. <laughs> so you cannot afford to sit in front of the television and become depressed. Okay, so the first point was, yes, you can. So what can you do? I want to start uh, with the life course, since I have my students in front of me, we have to talk about the life course, right? <laughs> so the life course is sort of like a circle. It, it says, where do you begin? I'm sort of at the far end of that circle, and uh, Congressman Cummins says, uh, three score and ten, at least five score I've got to live, right? 
Okay, so five score, I'm going to live to be 100. So if I live to be 100, I'm 70 now, I don't take any medication, I walk all of my four miles every day. Every, oh, I forgot to mention, I have a five-pound belt, I have a 10-pound vest, and I have six pounds in my hands. Mm. So I walk four miles with 21 pounds. And so, I, and the reason I do that, my husband doesn't carry any weights because he comes back home and then he lifts weights and so I don't have time for that. When I come back home, I'm on a roll, so I got to keep moving. So I have to do my weights and my walking all at the same time. So, um, I, and we got the exercise person who's, who is going to talk about that. But we want to start with the baby, and we're going to start with breastfeeding. How many of you were breastfed? How many of you who have children are part of families where people now breastfeed? So we really have a very health-conscious community out here. And uh, Congressman Cummins said you all are going to be the early adopters and you're going to spread the word. But I'm not going to really give you a big uh, lecture tonight on the benefits of breastfeeding. I want to just make one point about breastfeeding. The reason breastfeeding relative to obesity is so important is because we don't overfeed. Babies are really smart. See, they're smarter than we are. Have you ever seen anybody feed a baby with a bottle? The baby can be 100% sleep. And what do they do? Keep juggling the bottle because there's this much milk left in it, right? And they don't want to throw the milk away, so they jiggle the baby and the baby's dead asleep. The baby doesn't want any more food. So we start to overfeed the babies. And then once the baby is overfed, the baby begins quickly to lose satiety information. And so the baby is just eating everything, and we keep feeding. And then the next thing we want is for the baby to what? Sleep through the night. Has anybody ever heard that say it before? And so we feed the poor baby. baby. The baby can't even do anything but sleep. And <laughs> it's a wonder the baby ever wakes up, right? We just feed and feed and feed. But the baby should have a natural rhythm of waking and sleeping, so we have to be more patient in our child rearing. Then the big mistake we make is as the child reaches one, children in the one to two really are very good eaters. And because they're good eaters, we just feed and feed and feed. And we start out feeding them the wrong things. I always recommend that we start with the vegetables then go to the fruits, not with the sweets, because we have a natural ability to understand and appreciate sweet. But we don't have a natural taste for vegetables. But children who start out with vegetables always like vegetables. And it's almost impossible to get fat if you eat a lot of vegetables, especially in their natural state. Okay, so then the child goes through the one to two, and they're eating very well. But then what happens when two comes? They're picky. They don't want to eat anything. Then the parents go berserk. Everybody goes crazy. <laughs> they will give them anything on earth that they will eat. And what is that? Candy and french fries. My grandkids, they can find that McDonald's. Uh, uh, you know, I'm driving down the street trying to avoid the McDonald's french fries, right, because I'm a nutritionist, and I don't want my students and everybody else to see me giving my kids French fries, <laughs> Nana, Nana, there's a McDonald's, and so um, you know, and there we go, and so then we we get the. <laughs> okay, I give them French fries. All right, 
So anyway, we finally get them through the two-year-old period, and now the, hab the poor habits that have been garnered in that two-year-old period are off into the threes and fours. Now, a lot of children are not obese yet, but what happens is that they begin to accumulate the fat and the fatty foods and decrease the physical activity. So it's just the opposite of what I'm doing, right? I'm increasing my physical activity, decreasing my food intake. And, and the other thing that hasn't been, the only other point that hasn't been mentioned here is that um, the studies with mice have demonstrated that if you want to really live to be 100, you really need to cut back on your food intake. The, the mice that lived the longest were the ones that were the leanest and the, in, a, in a sense, starved. And so being thin and um, uh, if you're not, if you're healthy and thin um, is a good thing. Now, uh, this brings me to my second point. And the second point is a lot of people who are thin think, well, I don't need to eat right and I don't eat, need to be physically active. Is that true? No. no, because being fit and eating well is good for everybody, and that's the other point I want to make. Sometimes we uh, victimize people who are overweight, and we say, well, you know, you're not eating right. But we want everybody to eat right and everybody to be physically fit. Okay, so um, and then we take our life course, and the other last point I want to make is that if you reach any of these early stages and you're overweight, what does that tell you about what's going to happen later? you're more likely to be what? Overweight. And so what we don't want with our children, above all else, is for them to ever get overweight. It's very rare that we have babies, right, doctor, that are born overweight. They're not born overweight. This happens to them. And so we have to prevent, we have to prevent the obesity from ever happening. And so if we are going to prevent the, uh, what happens then if the child starts to get what we call a little fluffy? <laughs> what we want to do, as the congressman said, is not admire that. Those days are gone, right? We know that the fluffy child is not the healthy child. So what we, the next really important thing to walk out of the door with is to stop the progression. Right? Mm -hmm. We want to stop the progression of obesity. Because sometimes we say, okay, well, we, we may not be able to start backwards on it yet, but can we stop it from moving forward? That's a very important milestone. And the literature shows us that if you can arrest the increase in obesity and then start to have small incremental weight loss, you can begin to improve the kinds of things our cardiologist was mentioning. All of the aspects of health began to improve. So let us leave out of here with the yes, I can. Yes, I can change. We're going to start with our vegetables. We're going to arrest any progress of obesity, and we're going to move it backwards because we're going to eat right and do our exercise every day. And as a matter of fact, when I don't exercise, like if there's a day on Sunday when I don't exercise maybe, then I don't eat. That was great, I told you. All right, now we're going to introduce to you Chauncey Whitehead. He's a fitness activist, he's a trainer, a marathoner, 
Maybe some of you have seen him just runs all over town all the time uh, with his pack of runners. Uh, he's a dedicated advocate on behalf of the health of our children and our families. And he started his own company, CDW Health and Wellness Lifestyles. Chauncey, before that, served as fitness coordinator for YMCA of Central Maryland. And Chauncey, I think we're along with Ms. Ernestine. She's here this evening? Uh, no, she, something happened. She's not, she's not here, but that's what we'll talk about her. But Chauncey says he's going to get us on our feet. We'll see what he does. <laughs> Ms. Whitehead. Good evening, everyone. I'd like to give my acknowledgments to uh, Valerie for doing a great job tonight. Dr. Haskins, Gaskins, Mark Steiner. I had a conversation with Dr. Harvey about uh, two or three years ago. I had, a, I had lunch with Dr. Bonner. I'm not her student, but I am her student. We had lunch about five years ago talking about the obesity epidemic and what I do and how we need to branch and bridge the academic and the foot soldiers together. So here we are today, both of us, all three of us working together. So I am a fitness activist. I want to echo on everything Dr. Bonner said. Walking. People think because I'm a marathon runner, because I did the Guinness Book World Record Challenge, did 9,991 crunches in one hour, that I would say all that foolish stuff. Walking is the cheapest and the easiest form of exercise. We have got to get moving. As I said on Mark's show, we were talking about marbles. Somebody came up to me today, said, young boys, they don't play marbles anymore. We have to get our kids back to playing marbles, jumping rope, jumping jacks, hopscotch. One of the things I said on Mark's show that is very important that marbles taught me, and a lot of those different little sports like that, was citizenship. In uh -huh. marbles, in order to get better to win your cat's eye, you had to practice eye-to-hand coordination, and you had to be friendly and courteous when they took your eye. So one of the things about fitness and these type of things that sound corny, hopscotch, jumping rope, basketball, they teach us citizenship. And my last thing I said, but it was so funny, and I always remember, when we were kids from June, July, August, we did a triathlon every single day. We got up in the morning, we rode our bikes, we rode to the swimming pool, we got in the swimming pool, we ran, and we also ate McDonald's. <laughs> but that's back to what Dr. Gay Calories in, calories out. As a young person, eating McDonald's and doing a triathlon every day didn't do anything. I'm not saying you should eat McDonald's and not put everything on McDonald's, but we have to get our children moving, get away the remote control. And here's another thing, parents and guardians. We have to stop telling them that. We need to do it with them. Get on the bike, pull out the jump rope, pull out the jacks, and do it with them. So once again, with that said, I am Chauncey the Trainer, fitness activist, wherever you need me, wherever you want me, I will be there. I am there, their foot soldier. It takes all of us together to get the community healthy. And once again, Valerie, I thank you again for your effort. Whenever you need me, I'm there. Now we're all ready for questions and answers. Everyone's ready, because we're going to go from here, Mark, and then we'll get the questions and answers. Good evening. Good evening. I am uh, Jahari Ajiri. I've been on WEAA radio doing health talk for 13 years. Right now I have a five-minute segment on Sandy Mallory's show in the morning. And so I would like to have everyone listen to my show. Uh, it's just five minutes, but it, it's packed with a lot of good information. It's Thursdays at 10.50 a.m. And, um, and hello, Mark. <laughs> good to have you here. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, I am so happy to be here. I am so, so 
happy to see that all of these um, wonderful experts here and the people that have shown up to hear about um, how we can get ourselves healthier and our children, our families. Um, another organization that I am representing is uh, WIN, and we uh, teach, we train with family strengthening. There are a lot of programs that are being dropped, being um, extinguished, and so um, a lot of families, we've, we've learned to look for help outside of the family. We're teaching people to, to um, look at each other in the family, like uh, let's say the, the um, teenagers are, are becoming obese and the, the elders are, they, they have high blood pressure or whatever, get out and exercise together. And so I just wanted to offer this, um, some pamphlets to let people know about right. it. And, and that's it. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is great. I mean, this is really, really great. And, 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 uh, but, you know, we also have to look at, for some of us, we also got to look at some other realities by the fact that the areas that uh, there are some folks that are here that we service have no supermarkets at all. Don't even have, in all due respect, a library. To even, to even initiate the, uh, this program. The and that there is a war with the types of stores that are constantly being opened up because uh, nationally, but we'll speak of Baltimore since we're here, where we're battling between the chicken houses and the ET stores. We call them the ET stores because they're the everything stores. If they don't have it today, they got it tomorrow. So, you know, how much I appreciated the fact that when we were saying that there weren't a lot of people in here, that we were all missionaries, the difficulties that we have, especially coming from the, from the city perspective, is identifying the real problems in our community is many of these stores, we've noticed on your website, when we can see your website, how these stores close on Mondays, and we don't understand why, and then they open up on Wednesdays, unless we have the technology and understand that the health department closed because... It's got a problem. In New York City and in New Jersey, I, I was up in New Jersey with uh, uh, Mayor Booker. One of the things that they do very well is they now, they grade the stores. That if this is a store that has had a lot of problems selling bad food, which we have a lot of in Baltimore, expired milk, which we have a lot of in Baltimore, and expired products, when they catch them, they give them a low grade so that the community can automatically make their adjustment and make their choice, even though our choices are very, very small. So I'm just encouraging you in the health department that if we could be activists and, 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 and maybe approach that to help us out in the communities, because we know through the 1st through the 7th in West Baltimore in particular, and I know Mike, Mike can back me up on this, and West Baltimore in, in particular, uh, because of finances that come into the community the first seven days, over $6 million, and yet we don't have a supermarket in the stores, that these corner stores aren't just there because they're just convenient. They're there because they're making money. But if you're going to make money, at least try to sell us. No, that's not at least try to, but we're going to demand that you give us better food. So I just appreciate that you're having this, and, and, and definitely we wanted to, I know in West Baltimore we want to have this one day, get everybody out the house, have this giant exercise thing. So now I've found my... My man, I just got to make sure he doesn't get out of here. But I hope you would consider taking that back to some of the policymakers in the health department, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Please, yeah.
where, where health departments and similar organizations are moving now is addressing exactly what you talk about. The concept is called health in all policies. Mm -hmm. So for example, if there's going to be new construction, if there's going to be a new railroad system or transportation system, if you're going to do what the mayor's recently promoted, where we're talking about um, vagrants to values in terms of rehab housing, mm -hmm. that entities like a housing department or a transportation department or any of those specific departments that traditionally work on those issues, that those organizations now have to be responsible for recognizing the health impact mm -hmm. around those decisions. So it should not be that we look at um, abandoned housing and say, let's just build some more houses, but we look at the entire community and say, instead of simply having more houses, perhaps we need to look at whether we have supermarkets. Or we need to look at the density in the community around alcohol estab um, selling establishments, tobacco selling establishments, and change those zoning regulations around how many of those can come into communities. I was floored when I heard that in Park Heights, liquor stores open at 6 a.m. in the morning. I could not, but, right, but, but I heard it around the context of Park Heights. A city that allows a liquor store to open at 6 o'clock in the morning. Right. Give that history since, like, you maybe didn't correct that. Baltimore used to be a, a factory town. I understand the and reasons as for shifts, it. As shifts used to change, I understand. these stores opened up at those particular times. If, if I, I sure. If I so they opened up at those particular times. Now, not, not that we know, now we know that the factories aren't there anymore, and we've made a lot of interest in trying to shut this down, but I think if you follow the money, you'll see why, very simply, why they have it in certain communities Right. And my point is not that I'm going to make the decision about what the hours of liquor stores are. Yeah. That's not my point. My point is that if we're going to invest energy and policy around saying we need to have liquor stores open at 6 in the morning, let's invest the same energy and policy mm -hmm. around making sure we have healthy food available at 6 o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and everything else. So this is not a bashing of liquor stores and why, they, why there might have been good reasons for them. It's about making sure that we are much more comprehensive mm -hmm. in what people need to have quality lives. That's the point. And so health is playing a much more active role in things that people don't consider traditional health issues anymore because there is clearly a health impact for citizens in all of these other areas of our lives. Thank you. Yes. Hello. Um my name is Alfred Gladden. Uh, Charlie, thanks for that. Um, what most people do not take into account in dealing with health, we don't factor in the factors that really come against us. Now, we can say if I eat this, that, this, that, I'll be healthy, sure. But then what are those factors that block what I need to do. Is it the anger? Is it the loneliness? Is it the fear? Is it the self-esteem? Is it the emotional scars? Is it things that have came through my family genes? All of that factors in what's going on here. 
And if you can get this here moving, you can get this moving. In my 56 years of truly understanding health, because I come from a extreme obese family, and I was sharing with this sister, my father died at 49. Diabetes took him straight up. Grandfather, who I'm named after, he was so big until the hook and ladder truck had to take him out the second floor window. My grandmother was so large until when they took her back down south, they had to take the window out to put her in because the door she could not fit in. She was over 300 pounds. Now, I can choose to do whatever I want to do. I stopped smoking when I was, I had to be around 30. Within those 60 days, I went from a 31 waist to a 36 waist. Mm -hmm. And at that point where I had to make a choice, no more clothes, buy some more, I didn't have any money at that particular time. So I made a decision that I had to change my behavior about how I felt about me. Self-esteem went straight out the door. I got a gut, a butt, and, 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 and I'm like, oh, hell to the nose. This ain't going to happen to me. I love me a little bit more. You got to find out who gave you permission not to love you or take care of you. Who told you that? And then you follow through with that decision. So at some point, you have to make a decision to get back into the race. The issue is, it ain't about catching up with everything. It's about catching on. Um, a few years ago, I had, a, I had a, um, something in me where I wrote a book on health and wellness. I mean, people you saw, Alfred, what did... What do you do? You know, I'm almost 60. And the issue is that through this journey and through this wellness, I came to find out that a lot of things that I had been doing all the time, small stuff. And it started to move, move with, with me. So once I had this opportunity to interview Dr. Lawrence Chiskins, who is the director and founder of John Hopkins Weight Management Program. Once I interviewed him, he was blown away with the questions because they wasn't health-related questions. They were issues. So once he got finished with it, the book just ran. But the issue is that we have to make a decision or if you're going to stand for something, or fall for anything. But so, the thing is that you cannot keep telling that same lie. Thank you very much. Dr. Bonner, Chauncey, would you like to respond at all before we move on? Um, I'm, I don't have anything to say to that, but I do have two points. Uh, because people do eat at fast food restaurants, I do want to make one point. They do have good food. You can have juice instead of drinks. You can have salads. You can have milk. So let us make the right food choices. And then the second point is that our schools are changing menus. They're trying to get more physical activity in the day. Support that. Dr. Gaston, go ahead. Well, there's one other point that, that we need to also mention. And 
that is um, portion size. Mm-hmm. We, we don't talk about portion size. It's, it's a matter, I, I, I try to teach moderation in all things. So just because something is, is higher in fat than other things, that doesn't mean that it's completely excluded from, from your diet, but it's a matter of how much of that you will take in your diet. So you need to have moderation. And one of the things that I, I try to make sure that I push with all of the patients that I see is first trying to get rid of seconds. Mm-hmm. Okay, you get rid of seconds, and then after you've gotten rid of seconds, you can move on working on that individual portion size for that one meal that you're having. Try to cut that portion size. It comes back to the total calories that you put in minus your expenditure will be what is stored or what is lost. Hi, my name is Paul Smith, and I'd really like to thank all the panelists. It was a great, great session there. (laughs) 